the stunning band website in minutes with Banzoogle. Go to Banzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing hey, today, Jay? Great, sir. How are you? Really good. So I want to get sort of our housekeeping out of the way because we have a a fabulous guest coming up for you here. Um, But as always, we want to show a lot of love and thanks to HypeBot.com and Bands in Town for everything you do to support this show, spreading the word. Um, Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Bandzoogle.com. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. And you're actually working with an artist on Bandzoogle now, and so am I. I am. Um, yep. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online in minutes. Choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates. And that's really kind of important, people. I mean, you take it for granted that everything's going to look good, but making sure your website is what they call responsive automatically adjusting sizes for tablets and phones and laptops and giant screens. That's really important. Um, And you can customize your design and content in just a few clicks. It's built for musicians, by musicians. Banzoogle has the features you need for your website and EPK already built in, including a merch and download store that is commission-free, a tour calendar that you can sell tickets commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters. They have um, fan clubs now. They have uh, crowdfunding now. They've got a ton of features that, again, if you're a musician, these are things you, maybe this release you're not interested in, but the next release or the next one, yes. And it's just another feature on Panzoogle. And, of course, integrations to pull all of your content in um, from services like Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, you name it. And great customer support, live support. Just had to use it this morning with a quick question. Mm And chat was right there and gave me an answer in 20 seconds. And I can't remember the guy's name because I I apologize. I jumped out of the chat before saying thank you because I went to fix the problem immediately and lost the chat window. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Plans start at $8.29 a month, which includes hosting and your own free custom domain name. Go to Banzoogle.com to start your 30-day free trial and be sure to use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's Banzoogle.com, promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to build your website in EPK today. And Jay, I want to welcome, we want to welcome a brand new sponsor to the Music yes. Biz Weekly podcast, Disc Makers. Thank you for coming on board. Um, we all know it's a digital world. But there's still an important role for physical media, obviously, for today's independent musicians. I mean, good Lord, buying yeah. vinyl is is a collectible, and it, it can be a great source of revenue for you. Absolutely. Watch our, our program with uh, Tony Van Veen. Um, you'll learn a lot about what's going on with physical. Yeah, digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CDs, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs has become such an important income generator. 
Um, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, even T-shirts. You can get free shipping on CD orders of 100 or more discs from Disc Makers if you use the code FREEBIZ, B-I-Z, up to $150 value. The code expires 12-31-19, and you just input that code FREEBIZ when you check out, and you'll get your discount. So thank you, Disc Makers. Head over to discmakers.com for more information. So, Jay, this week, our special guest, Fabulous. We are joined by a recording producer, engineer, mixer, photographer extraordinaire. Absolutely. Um, We are joined by Stuart Epps. And I'm not going to run down the long list here, but Stuart has worked with people like Elton John, Led Zeppelin, Oasis. Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers. The Firm. Bad Company. Twisted Sister. Shooting Star. Robbie Williams. George Harrison. Bill Wyman. I mean, incredible resume he's got. And he shares with us some stories of working with these artists. He shares with us his views on the new music business, um, the roles of a producer, the roles of an engineer. It's really valuable information for our yeah. listeners who maybe not now you're going to use it but hopefully in a year from now you might be in a position to work with a producer listen to this week's episode let it roll so everybody i want to welcome we've got a really special guest joining us this week yes, we've we got Stuart epps and Stuart is a british record producer and audio engineer and um, man, I'll I'll let you go into the full details, but you've worked with people like Elton John, Led Zeppelin, Oasis, Twisted Sister, um, Bill Wyman, George Harrison, Robbie Williams, Paul Weller, Cliff Richard, Bad wow. Company, uh, Wishbone Ash. Uh, the Anyone firm. we've heard of? Yeah, Shooting Star. And here they are now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stuart, thank you for joining us. True honor to yeah, have somebody you. with your 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 resume sitting down with us. No problem. Thank um, you. So so let's let's chat a bit. Our 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 listeners are generally DIY artists, musicians who are trying right. to do it on their own. Which, frankly, most musicians are these days are doing it on their own. Um, Absolutely. You know. What what is some of the things you you would advise a young artist if they're going to be like okay I'm going to go into the studio and I've never been in the studio before. What would what are some of the things you advise them to do to save money, save time, make the life of you know either the engineer or the producer that they're working with um, make their lives a little easier. Um, come over to my place. I suppose would be the easiest. <laughs> Listen, the thing is, it's a big question you're asking. I mean, I'm working with uh, maybe 15 to 20 artists doing exactly what you're saying on a daily basis. These are the people I work with a lot of people in that uh, in that way. And uh, I suppose the. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, when I started out and it's only whatever it is, 20 years or so where this has been at all possible. Um, it has it has its good points, 
it means that people who couldn't normally um, have access to equipment have access to equipment. And so obviously it's great for them. You know, they can record at home. They can, they can act, you know, they can develop their uh, talent, I suppose, is the thing. So that's good. Uh, it has its good points like everything else, and it has its bad points. Uh, those are the good points. The bad point is that sometimes some of the best music that's ever been made, in my opinion, has been made within teams of people. You know, I mean, when I started, everyone had their place and they did their own part of the job. So you had the engineer, you had the record producer, uh, you had the songwriter and you had the singer and you had the, the guitarist and the musician. And, and so it's very much different these days where youngsters tend to want to and think they can and it's possible to do all those things themselves now what i always say is that as far as i know i mean i'm sure there's a lot of modern guys there's a lot of great modern guys that are doing that all themselves but there's been very few in history that you could say <clears throat> produced themselves brilliantly uh you know they were great singers great songwriters they didn't need a studio you know, you, you can count them on a hand almost, the great ones, the really great ones, like the Michael Jacksons, Stevie sure. Wonders, you know, that uh, Prince. That did all this, Prince, absolutely. The thing is that, you see, that's what you're saying, is that we, we actually remember who they are. So, you know, and I just think it's a very tall order. I think, obviously, it's, it's great to do the demos that way and to start the track off, but then not to spend years or the rest of your life trying to... Uh, you know, I get the impression that some kids, youngsters, I should say, uh, you know, they've got their Oasis album here and they've got their Pro Tools set up here and they're now going to reproduce this, what's on this record, you know. It, and, that, that, uh, it, it's funny you, you mention that because I kind of hear that too. They're like, well, if I only had the, the same the same software, the same yeah. computer, the same guitar, the guitar same whatever. Sound, yeah. If, if, yeah. if I only I use mean, the same board, but but as you can attest, it's not just the the hardware that makes the music. I mean, actually, it's funny what I just said because that's exactly what Oasis do. That's exactly <laughs> what that's exactly what Noel what Noel does is he bought. You know, he was lucky because they became very popular, and so he became very rich. And then he went out and bought all the equipment needed to make us to make him sound like the Beatles, including their mixer, including John Lennon's acoustic guitar. And when I was working with them, you know, he'd say, you know, we want to get the John Lennon acoustic guitar sound. So he just reached for the John Lennon acoustic. Wow. And the C12 microphone that probably went on it and plugged it into the desk that they might have used at Abbey Road. But but he's um, he's he's got talent behind that. That's that's well, the point. You know, I that's what I'm getting on to really is that none of this makes any difference at all unless you have the musical ability. Sure. And right. you, you definitely you definitely don't want to spend all your time or the, the youngsters don't want to spend all their time trying to achieve this um, recording excellence. You know, they'd be much better off just getting the song right, getting their vocals right getting the the basics right and then my thing is go to seek out a professional yeah. um as soon as possible and get the experience with working with a professional in a proper studio i mean i think to work uh, if you've got home equipment i would say to use that in tandem with still working in a local studio and find a local producer or you know engineer i mean obviously that's what i do is that people send me their um home recording 
and um, and then I I'd say you know I can I'll try and improve it I'll offer my uh, you know ideas how the arrangement could be better and, and I, of course I love this you know this is a brilliant sure. this has been a brilliant um, thing that's happened that I, no one none of us would have dreamt it was possible uh, whatever it was forty years ago sure uh, and. Um, it's 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 funny that obviously things change. You know, we're in the 21st century, and so many things have changed. But ultimately, what hasn't changed is that to be successful and to be great, you still have to be a great singer. You still have to write great songs uh, or be a great instrumentalist. And sometimes these things are, are given to you when you're born. Yeah. Um, and no matter what equipment, like you were saying, uh, it's not the equipment, and it's. Uh, it's the talent that really still counts, you know? Yeah, I'm finding that it's a lot like the 50s and 60s in the sense that it's a meritocracy. It's based on the quality of the track. If you listen yeah. on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, it's not necessarily about the album. It's about that song. And that's how I grew up. It was about 45s. It was about the quality of the song. And I would imagine yeah. when you work with these artists, if you have a great, you know, a great song, if it's on an acoustic guitar or, or yeah. somebody's humming it to you, a, a great song is a great song, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, I think that there is a bit of a problem is that, that whatever we say or whatever I say, um, uh, youngsters still spend forever trying to get this recording right and, and drive themselves potty probably with, you know, if I only had that piece of equipment or if I only had that amplifier. Sure. And, and, and maybe they don't spend enough time um, practicing their art, whether it be songwriting, singing or playing the guitar or yeah. drums, whatever. So and because the people that we grew up with that we just loved and that are still listened to, they, they focus so heavily on the one area to make themselves great at it and that's still what you need to do to to be great you know you can't just um write one song or, or write a verse and a bit of a chorus and say well that's it you know you have to angst over it and try something else and try this and try that you know so yeah. is is, is Stuart, is that is that a big role of the producer to to be able to sit there and actually push back to the artist and say that song is not good that that chorus needs work boy the the guitar solo uh, well, we have to things. do i mean you know it's it, not there yet it, it's not there yet go practice come back i mean it seems to me one of the things we always hear is when you're sitting in the studio that's not the time to start writing your songs that's not the time yeah. to start practicing you should be doing that all on the cheap in your garage where yeah, you're not paying by the hour well, absolutely. You, you really, if you're coming into a commercial studio, uh, you need to have got all that sorted out. The days of spending three months in a studio like the Stones would spend a couple of weeks just working on a riff. <laughs> That's what they used to do, apparently. They, they, they play a riff for about a week. Wow. <clears throat> and and then they develop the song. When that when, way. when but, you've got um, Rolling Stones money, you can do that though. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, those days are, are gone. Or you know, not available to everyone. But um, I mean, what I tend to do is I listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm open-minded if I'm listening to whether it be a guitar and voice or piano and voice, or whether it's a whole basic recording, I just listen to it uh, open-minded. And um, I, I always say that it, for me, it's like eating really. Um, 
I just know where the verse is supposed to be, or the bridge and the chorus and the middle eight and this, that, and the other. Right. Well, and, um, yeah. Kind of used to that, really. If it's music that I'm uh, accustomed to, rock music, sure. pop music, and um, you know, and I'll bring to the to the production and the and to the artist whatever I think it needs. If it's if it's missing a middle eight, or if the which is often the case, we don't get to any what to hear anyone sing, and for about a minute in, I'll suggest maybe cutting the intro down. I mean, a producer's job is really completely. It's everything really to do with the track. It's whatever's needed, whatever's required. Sure. Uh, that's what the producer does, really. Well, so. you've done so many different roles um, <laughs> as far as mixer, engineer, producer. I mean, uh, photographer, <laughs> you know, on one. But so for those who don't know, can you kind of briefly talk about what does a, an engineer do versus what a producer does? Versus what a mixer does. Yeah, well, an engineer... Uh, traditionally, was be, would be the chap or the woman or the girl uh, that's uh, twiddling the knobs of the uh, who's in control of the machines and the um, electric, you know, the, the the mixer and the the faders. Who's in control of the board that we're working in? If we're talking about a commercial studio, so that's the engineer's function is to make everything work from the microphones to the uh, to getting the sound on tape balancing everything to do with that the producer traditionally would sit next to the engineer and it's the producer's job to talk to the band to get the bands uh to get that song on tape whether it needs arranging to listen to their performances um to to guide the band or the artist or whatever it is um who's making the music to guide them in every way um and then to be if you like the coordinator between the the go-between between the band and the engineer, you know, then, you know, the, the the producer would explain to the engineer what we need here, and he would have or she would have a, vis a visualization of the sound that's required. So then the producer would be, um, because, but this is very traditional. I mean, it doesn't really happen that way very much. When I was uh, working, say, with Elton John's producer or um, Foreigner's producer or whoever it was, uh, as their engineer that's my function not to interfere you know someone not to offer up ideas you know that would be very uh there was quite a hierarchical you know it was a sort of yes this is your job this is your job you know and uh, and that's what we followed um but ver but very much these days obviously you've got pro tools which which depends on a screen uh very not necessarily a, a mixing desk even and right. so you've now got many producers who are there, who they're engineers as well. So it's the one person doing the sound and it's the one person doing the um, producing with the artist, you know. So they're, they're, I guess there's obviously there still are engineers, but um, it's different. You, have to, you probably have to seek them out like I have, you see, since I am I'm no longer at the mill studios, we closed down the mill. So I had to find a studio that um and when i didn't have my own studio because if i have my own studio then i'm i'm okay as engineer i don't need an engineer but when i go to another studio which is what i've wanted to do it's very important to find a great engineer that that knows that we get on that uh, if anything that that likes the sounds that i like you know it's a very um sure it's, it's quite a they're all delicate uh, relationships the one between 
a producer and artist and producer and and uh, engineer they're kind of delicate uh, you have to be a bit of a psychologist sometimes to make all this work yeah, but, I, but um you know because also you you tend to get uh, i tend to work with artists that spend so much time on their own in in their own room just them with their computer and with their instruments and this that that they're not even very good at sharing or or, or being able to um do this with another person so that makes sure. it very difficult you know because uh that's not the way i grew up i mean i can cope with it but like i say you have to bit of a a bit of a psychologist because maybe the girl who spent all her time you know perfecting her voice sound and maybe her sound in her bedroom maybe she's only 13 or 12 then she doesn't want to be told that maybe that voice is a bit out of tune or how about if you did this or that mm -hmm. because she already thinks she's perfected it you see this is it I don't need. I don't really need your help. I just wanted a bit of help, but I don't really want you to change anything. Right. So you've got a bit of a maybe got a bit of a problem there, unless it doesn't need changing. But a good producer, a good engineer, we've seen this time and time again throughout history, can make all the difference in the world. I mean, we could probably sit here and name our favorite engineers and producers um, that have just made a certain sound or help bring the best out of an artist. It must be difficult with some of the new developing artists that don't have that yeah, uh, history. I think it's, uh, it's not, it's, you know, we sound like old fogies. Well, there we are. <laughs> yeah, it is what are. it is. But the thing is that, that I always say the best music was made within teams of people. Sure. Uh, and, and one of those teams we used to call a band. You know, it's only a short word, B-A-N-D. That's a band. Now, yeah. when you've grown up with such amazing music made su with such incredible bands that we know and that we still listen to and that they still sound great. And... They just don't, bands just don't grow up anymore, it would seem, because because of this insular way that people live and people now make music. Because um, bands, to be honest, was a bit of a nightmare. It was like a, a brother and a sister and you're rowing here and you're arguing over this and you had to stick with it. You know, it was yeah. very difficult. It's not an easy situation to be in, but it's one that produced the best results because it was never easy. That's exactly why the best results came out because it was hard you had someone who wanted their bass play you know i want to hear my bass i want to hear my guitar i want to do this i want to do that i've got an idea no i've got an idea well, well and and actually that's where a producer came in vitally handy was to negotiate if you like and deal with these four or five or whatever it is people uh to get the best out of them without them all killing each other you know yeah you know, and, it's, it's, and I, I still think that's where the best music is made. Really, is you you you, you talk you talk about how you know it's a team it's a team effort, and part of what we're dealing with in this modern age is um, bands don't have the finances to hire the entire team. They they know they need it, but then they start cutting corners, cutting costs because they can only afford so much. Are yeah. you seeing more bands these days saying, well, you know what? Uh, I don't need the producer. The engineer can kind of do it all. I'll be honest. I hardly see any bands. I don't know where they've all gone. I was only saying this very recently. I used to get sent a half a dozen, you know, or a dozen a week or something. I don't get any, I don't get any tracks from bands. I don't know where the bands have gone. Are I'm they solo sure artists? Are I'm you not getting sure there are any anymore? 
Are you getting tapes from uh, solo, solo artists, artists instead of? Yeah. Mainly solo artists. Yeah. Mainly solo artists. And to be honest, it's off. It's also mainly female solo artists. Yeah. Uh, I I just um, I despair a little bit. I used to. I've just found another studio. I mean, I've got a studio here, uh, and the studio up north that I use in England, which is brilliant. Um, Prism Studios, but I just found a studio on a, um, it's on an airfield in the middle of nowhere in, in England, in Marlborough, mm -hmm. actually, and it's one of these that shouldn't be there at all. It shouldn't exist. It's on the end of a track. There's aeroplanes all around it, and it's just totally brilliant. It's got the most brilliant engineer who's a proper engineer. He only, you know, he can produce, he can play, but he loves to engineer, and he built the studio. And it's it's perfect for a band. I'm just looking for a band that I can take in there. Yeah, and we can make we can make a great noise and we can make some great records. But I don't. Right at this moment in time, there isn't one band that I can say, "Oh, you you should listen to these this band." I just don't have one. Yeah, it's definitely a trend in the industry. You know, these folks who are making these demos at home with their Pro Tools and their laptop and uploading their songs to SoundCloud. But I, I'm with you. I mean my favorite music is made by bands and the the reason for that is because you, when you get four guys together it's like a marriage you know you can't get them to agree on lunch let alone how a song should go well, but that, that tension right that yeah. what each person adds to that creates exactly. that beautiful sound whether exactly. it's the beatles or the police or the sex pistols it's it's something yeah. unique to having a band i think yeah yeah i know and i and i and i fear that it's becoming uh less and less popular or, or or less and less they're able to do it because i think that people people like live such insular lives yeah that as soon as someone disagrees with someone they go oh, <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't i didn't buy this. your your, your i'm firing you in my life i mean if that yeah. was the case none of the records that we uh that we love and none of the bands that we love would have existed that's right I mean, you know, only um, this is very relevant because only the other day I was watching a YouTube that I had to watch, and then following it, this thing came on, which I didn't plan on. But anyway, it was obviously a band you know. It was the Traveling Wilburys. Sure. And I almost broke down. I almost started crying because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, admittedly, there's George there who's missing, and there's yeah, and Roy, yeah, yeah. But you know what? It was just, I suddenly, and I put it up on my Facebook because I said, you know, we used to call this a band. Yeah. And I said, a band is four or five people getting together and having fun making music. And this is the epitome of it because these guys didn't even need to be doing this. They're no. not doing, you see, that's the other thing. I get people writing to me saying, we've got this track, we've got that track, and now we want to make, we want to make some money out of this. And I, it just puts me off straight away because. Sure. I mean, and that's not what you did it for. That's not what, it's no. not a good way. It's not a good start, really. No. For the love <laughs> of the music. It, it, yeah, right? you know, I, I've, I've commented on this before that there, one thing that really irks me in this, this day and age is when I see established artists, the classic artists, and somebody comes out in an article and says, you know, I, why should I record new music? Nobody's going to buy it. And I'm like, that's not why you want to record music. If you're a true artist, don't you want to record music to be creative, to express yourself? If 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 you're just sitting here going, well, I can't make a million dollars, so therefore I'm not going to record, 
it actually makes me as a fan feel a little cheapened that that you know I supported you because now all of a sudden you're not really in it for the music. Well, you know, I think that music is who you are, not what you do. Whether you're selling shoes for a living and you're still going home every night and playing your guitar and writing songs, the musicians that I work with and that I know really well, it's it's who they are. It's They're not yeah. doing it just to pay the rent. And I think you're absolutely right. When you do it for just financial reasons, you know, then maybe you should be in some... Well, I'm kind of I'm yeah. I'm kind of meaning uh, starting out because obviously at some point you want to be making money if you're not at school. Sure, or, of yeah. course. So at some point you no think, doubt oh, this would this would be good to try and see if we can make some money from this so that we don't have to do anything else because we can't do anything else. Right. So that's that's fair enough. But it's just I mean at the outset. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of artists thinking now how can I make some money here all I know out of the music business uh, making music and selling it it's not a good way to start and yeah. normally it normally is something that people just have to do because that's what they are the only thing they love that's right and, and you've got to love it you've got to be absolutely passionate and totally in love with it yeah. um, to really do it anyway yeah there's no it's, return on investment tough, you know you know it's tough it's tough it's a lot yeah. and everything else but um i you know as far as i'm it's been a, a since um i can't remember now the music site now um one of the first music platforms i always forget what it was called music something or other what was it called but ever since that came on the um came on the the internet um being able to hook up with um people outside the music business if you like Mm -hmm. uh, non-professional musicians and artists it's just been sure. the greatest thing really and it's obviously been great for my uh, career or whatever so um and and who would have imagined that 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 would still be valid at my great age you know because mm -hmm. um we never expected people of my age we never expected to be doing this at, into our 60s you know it would just sure be, because when i started off there's no way you, you would want the input of a 60 year old if you were 15 or 17 <laughs> i mean who's into uh, jazz or you know frank sinatra or something like that but the fact is that i mean my wife teaches guitar and she's teaching guitar to sort of five-year-olds and all they want to learn is smoke on the water and stay away stay really away from heaven you know that's actually is, encouraging which is <laughs> it's encouraging but it's slightly ridiculous isn't it you just can't imagine that i know <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I took my five-year-old daughter to go see this, this generation's Britney Spears. Her name is Jojo Siwa, and right. you know, again, it was just like a Britney Spears show from twenty years ago. But yeah. I was a bit impressed because in the middle of the show, she started a tribute of songs to Queen and Elton John. Wow! And yeah. I'm like, holy cow, this is a sixteen-year-old girl yeah. who's dancing and her audience is five-year-olds and ten-year-olds that that you know my i look and my daughter is is dancing to to crocodile rock and i'm <laughs> yeah. like i'm i'm glad you're doing that but you have no idea that's not a jojo siwa song that's right <laughs> so but but in a way that's good because maybe she's gonna take some of those people in the audience and they're gonna go home and go 
Daddy, I want to listen to some more Crocodile Rock. And Daddy's going to go, well, yeah. let me play in JoJo Siwa's version of it. Let me play you the real one. Yeah. That's how well, it starts sometimes. I'm almost getting to the point where it's grandparents, I think. That's likely to happen with me. It's not even yep. parents. Yeah. It's getting the grandparents era. But, um, I mean, obviously there's, there's something brilliant about that. And But on the other hand, I, I also think there's something a bit not quite right about it. Because let's face it, in the it's just the era that re, that we grew up. I mean, the sixties really was just, and you didn't know it at the time. You knew the music was good, but you couldn't have imagined that the music no. was that good that it was going to last fifty years, no. and that hardly anything would come up to to question it or to better it even. You know, yeah. there's been obviously there's great music about there's great artists, but it's almost like now they they're using this. Um, palette of paints you know they take a bit of the 50s the bit of the 60s a bit of the 70s um and sort of mix it around i mean one of my favorite modern artists new artists i think he's just retiring now he's only 16 or something is uh, ed sheeran yeah (laughs) he's had it now he's finished he's only 21 or something but um you know he's totally magnificent i mean he's a great musician he's learned his craft so brilliantly yeah and he makes such great records but if you analyze those songs, they're, they're Beatles songs, really. You know, they're, they're just rearranged, re-recorded. I mean, amazingly well produced. But yeah. they're not like, it's not like you've never heard songs like that before. That's right. Whereas I, I can remember, well, let's face it, we know who those artists are. I mean, Jimi Hendrix, when you first heard Jimmy, or when you first heard the Beatles or the Stones, or, sure. or, or, or then you get to the folk era of James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, Tracy yeah. Chapman, Bob Dylan. I mean, you'd never heard. They, they were brand new. You'd never heard anything like that before. Yeah. You'd never heard yeah. a format like the Bob Dylan songs, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Verse. You think that can't, that can't work, you know? And, um, and you'd never heard anyone get away with singing the way Jimi Hendrix did or records like him, you know? Sure. So you, it's like nothing seems to come up anymore. Even punk, although I hated it with a passion, I absolutely, and most of my friends despised punk, something wicked, you know, we just hated it. I mean, actually, you listen to it now, it just sounds like rough rock and roll. I mean, it just oh, yeah. sounds, mm-hmm. it sounds great now. It's very mild. The Sex Pistols album, you know, Never Mind the Bullocks, just sounds like a, yeah, a pop it's record. It's very melodic, you know. Now and I met. I worked with the bass player. I met the bass player. I forget his name. He was the first bass player, and he's oh a, he's yeah, a, um, he's a rock and roll bass player. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing punk-ish about him. He might have had a funny Paul Matlock, I think. Yeah, Matlock. Yeah, he's a total gentleman. Yeah, <laughs> I said, "Are you sure this is this guy?" I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, because I was I, expecting something off the totally off the planet, you know. I wonder if it's cyclical. I wonder, like right now, there's not a lot of guitars in rock. There's not a lot of bands, to your point. I wonder if it'll come around again. Well, I wish it would come around this evening and they'd send me the tape. <laughs> <laughs> and then I could go in the studio and come out. Because I've, I've been looking for another Led Zeppelin. You know, everyone's looking for another Led Zeppelin or another Queen. Well, I we mean, got we got Greta Van Fleet. I knew you were going there. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing that's come close, really. Yeah, yeah. don't get it. No, yeah. you, 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 you're, you're you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where I've I've found myself lately sitting back, going, "Boy, like, I don't know why it was like Pink Floyd's The Wall." I'm like, I remember 
buying that album the day it came out with no preconceived notions that it was going to be a great album. It was just some new Pink Floyd and growing up and seeing and looking back and going, holy cow, that album, and we could list many albums like that, turned yeah. out to be a, a massive classic that's lasted for decades and will last forever. Yeah. Yet we all were there when it was just a new album. It was just a new Led Zeppelin yeah, album. We nobody, nobody knew the songs were going to be as huge as they were. The Queen album, you know. Uh, you know, I, rem I remember We Are the Champions hearing that in, on radio when it first came out. And it was like, oh, that's catchy. But nobody knew. You think that's good, but not many people know. I know you listed all these amazing artists I've worked with, but uh, when I was 21 uh, or 20, we started a record label called Rocket Records. Sure. And that, and that was Elton John's record company with Gus Dudgeon. Of but course. One of, the tapes, one of the tapes that came through the door was Queen as a demo. Really? And, um, I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty good demo. I mean, it was very, very well recorded. Mm -hmm. I can see it now. They were two Trident 10-inch tri Trident boxes. And um, we put it on the, I put it on the tape machine, and I'd play it, and I thought, wow, that's... I didn't think it was amazing, I'll be honest, but I did like the guitar playing, I liked the guitar harmonies, and I thought, that's pretty good. And, and <laughs> yeah. That was, that was Queen. But the yeah. thing is, actually, they, um, they wanted a lot of money. They wanted £100,000, you know, like $150,000. Oh my God. And we were running, we were running Rocket Records on about twenty grand a year. So there was, so there was less, right? Chance. And, that, and actually, we just thought this is this is ridiculous. They must be mad, you know. Yeah. And we, no one went to see them live. I'm not even sure whether they were gigging at that point. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't know that there was a Freddie, you know. That sure. Had we had we had gone to see them at the Marquee, and this mad guy would have come on. You know, maybe people would have said, because Elton heard them and, and Gus heard them, and we just thought, well, they're all right, you know. But um, it does make you think, though, when you saw you saw the first demo of a band, and then you see 50 years later that they've made the film about them. and it's just, Right. But there's no artist development now, Stuart. Like, these record companies don't have the patience to develop an artist over multiple albums. If you don't hit right away well, with the first the, the few singles, yeah. you know, boom, you're gone. And all of our favorite artists, they developed over time. Like, I, I got this Queen box set from a friend of mine, and I went through and listened to every album from the beginning. And those first yeah. few albums, you well, hear the glimpses. Yeah. yeah, you can hear the glimmers of where they're yeah, going. You don't hear they them. weren't there yet, yeah, right? They, they well, to yeah. be, you know, to be honest, that's what's required. I mean, it's like with anything else. To, you start off at one level, and then yeah. you get better, and you get better. But the thing with, with music making is that you only get better when you, when you actually do it. You know, you have to make the record, then you make another record, and then you make another record, and, and you're perfecting your art the whole time. And right. I mean, you're hearing yourself back. I mean, when I worked with Robbie Williams, you know, he uh, got a name drop a little bit, haven't I? That's so, all right. <laughs> you, know, you deserve, you get you to. You deserve that 100%. I mean, You've earned come it. In and he'd come in and sing, and, and he's got a really good voice. But then as he left, they'd come in with this heap of gear and tune his voice. Because at the time, it was like £100,000 worth of equipment to tune someone. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they made sure that he was out of the building because they knew it would upset him if he knew that they had to tune him. But the thing is, when he heard his voice back tune, then the next time he went to sing, he'd sing a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And sure. um, 
every artist anyway that I worked with in, in the old days, really, uh, from Elton John. I mean, if you compare Empty Sky and then even the next album, which doesn't really have any, you know, it's completely different. Sure. Uh, uh, but then, you know, then on to Yellow Brick Road. It was all about development. Yeah, and, with, and everyone was developing, not just Elton, but the lyrics sure. were getting better. The recording was getting better. The production was getting better. And, you know, so that's very, very that's difficult. Right. That's very difficult. And you can't blame youngsters um, starting out for that, because like you say, that there's no record companies that are prepared to say, you know, well, here's 20 grand, go and make your first album come back and then we'll make another album we'll stick with you i mean actually robbie williams uh record company um which was emi uh they did stick with him because actually when i worked with him the first album died a death it sold twenty thousand uh life through a lens and it was it was finished there wasn't any hits from it you know they yeah. they put out what they thought was the best singles and uh, but they weren't going to give up you know they're certainly going to well, admittedly, he wasn't exactly a newcomer. I mean, he'd, he'd been in Take That, which was a pretty big band. So mm -hmm. I guess they thought we could stick with it a bit longer. Yeah. But, um, but it is difficult, you know, and it's 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 kind of down more down to managers, um, interested people, not necessarily musicians, who, who meet someone who they think is great to help them along, you know. But uh, it, it's a, it is a very different music business, and it's... It's much sure. more difficult. I mean, I'm, I, I guess it is. It's it's very very difficult for for someone to break through um, and sustain you know, it. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to kind of get that notoriety and rise above above the clutter for a moment, but to sustain that over a career is difficult. What about analog versus digital? Are you still? I mean, are you doing the Pro Tools thing? Are you doing analog recording? What what is your preference? Um, yes, no, uh, I use a very simple, I'm not even going to tell you what it is because uh, people will go, that's terrible. But anyway, I use garage band. Simple, yeah, no, it's not, it's, it's, it's a little bit up from that. Okay. It's a very simple, a very simple recording. Uh, well, if I'm working in here, which is my, you know, sure. my, my studio, obviously I, I still work at, I love to work at the great studios, Abbey Road and Rack Studios. There's, of course. there's a few, there's not yeah. many left. And I love to, and this studio that I found um, on this uh, airfield, you know, had a proper desk and it's got great speakers. And, and that's, a, that's a great vibe. I like working in that environment. Um, I haven't seen a reel of tape. I don't know. It could be, I don't know, 10 years or something. Oh, okay. And uh, I'll only start getting emotional if we start talking about tape and the smell of tape. and Ampex, and four, five, else. six, two inch. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I used to love it. But the thing is that, um, you know, I, I often sort of almost feel sorry for youngsters starting out because they haven't had the experience no. of um, tape, of editing, of um, making sure that you don't rub anything out. Otherwise, you've had it because that will be gone forever. So, uh, you know, it's all about cut and paste and, and it's all getting to the point as quick as you can and it's all yeah. about everything being it, but do you, do you think that also has had an impact on the quality of the songs because well, in in in, in 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 the quote old days you'd have yeah. to do that take over and over again to get it exactly That's, right where nowadays yeah. and i won't name the name but there was a big big producer that that i know who was working with a band that recently who basically said you know what 
the guitars are good enough. Let I'll just fix it and tune it and and tweak it all in Pro Tools and it'll sound yeah. perfect. And it's just like, yeah. but that's not a perfect recording. You're faking it. I mean, there's a. I keep. He's. I. I've got his name. Puth, is his name Puth? Puth. P U T C H. What Charlie is it? Charlie Puth. A new oh. artist. Do you know that guy? I don't know. Mm-mm. No. I think I'm it's Charlie up. Puth. Yeah. Totally brilliant. He does everything himself. Uh, the, uh, there's a young guy that I'm working with. Who, oh, there um, is. Yeah. And uh, and he is great. You know, he's one of the best things that I've come across. And we've done a track, and he's doing the voice, and he's he's a great young lad. And uh, and he's very traditional as well. He's a good guitarist. He's got a good feel. I mean, there's so many things that you do actually have to be to be really good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and that's why it doesn't happen very often. Right. But, um, but there's very few. Like he's he's definitely got it together. But when I listen to his recordings, I mean, you know, they're perfection in sound, and they're very different to you know the things that we grew up with, the Stones or whatever it is, or you know, little feet or all the great bands, you know, where it was, it was atmosphere was, was so important mm-hmm. and creating that atmosphere in the studio. See, that's what I used to say. I'm very fortunate that I grew up with all these great bands where they're out there and I'm in here. And the whole idea is to get the magic that they're making onto this bit of tape, you know, and, and it's happened, you know, it happened quite a lot. I might have Paul Rogers out there, uh, with, with Jimmy Page in the case of uh, the firm, you know there was like four of them out there making the track. Yeah, and and if and if something went wrong halfway through one of the the take, we've had you know it would be the worst thing that's ever happened. It's got to go on tape. It's got to be great. Right. Um, and then because Paul Rogers would, I'd say obviously we'll do the vocal again, and he'd say no, we won't. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not singing that again. Right. And, you know, Paul, you know, Paul Rogers, I mean, he is definitely sure. the best singer I've ever worked with on the planet. One of the best ever. Yeah. And Undoubtedly. He, would, he treated the whole process uh, as a performance and um, like a live performance, really. Right. You know, it was a one off performance and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be on tape for people to enjoy, you know. And, and I think once we were doing a vocal and... Um, and he sort of said, he sort of stopped. And I said, oh, what's the matter? And he said, oh, I made, a, I made a bit of a mistake there. And he was very quiet. And I said, well, we could just drop in. He said, he nearly hit me. And he said, you must be mad. Drop in? What do you mean drop in? What do you mean carry on from here? I'm, I don't think so. You know, we have wow. to That's old school. That, that is old school. I'm doing it all over again. Man, these days it's almost every other word they're dropping in. Exactly. And the times when there'd be the band out there and you'd get tingles because you know, actually, you've heard them play it uh, 20, well, maybe not 20 times, maybe 10 times or five times. But you actually know this is the best time they've ever done this. Yeah. Because there's this, there's this extra magic, like you say. There's this extra feel that's suddenly happening. And now we want to, and now this is the one. And you used to say, that's the one. Come in. We've got it. That's it. That's the one. So those days have gone. Yeah. Stuart, Stuart, we, man, this, we could talk for hours here because I'm just fascinated by, yeah, by your experience and your history here. But absolutely. we do have to wrap. I would love to yeah. ask you to share was there one moment of one of the early bands that you've worked with where, where you heard it being performed and you just went, 
there it is. That is magic. Do you remember any moments like that? Well, many moments. And yeah, I mean, specifically, I, I would say, because we are talking about it now, the, the album that I did with Paul Rogers and Kenny Jones, uh, the drummer from The Who, sure. um, where we were at um, Ridge Farm Studios, and and uh, they were they were the they were definitely some of the best sessions I've ever been on because Paul was singing live, and it's a great studio. You know, it was for Atlantic Records. We had everything we needed really, and uh, we were very lucky. And we had some great songs that were um, written by I can't remember his name now, but he wrote songs for Eric Clapton and very, and various other people. And uh, and they were performing them live out in the studio, and we had this great guitarist, John Stahaley, who was who who Paul had given him his best Les Paul uh, to play on these tracks, and they were they were total magic. And I can nice. remember, you know, one song ending, and it would end with this guitar feedback, and and I'm you're sitting there, gripping the desk, just praying that <laughs> nothing goes wrong. Right, right to the very right to the very last part where the guitar fades out and you just go yes that's it yeah and, and you know obviously after you've done it a few hundred thousand times you know that that's it yeah because you, you you're saying to the band that's it and you better make sure that it was it otherwise when they come in and hear it if it wasn't it you're going to look a right fool right so but no but they come in and they hear it and they go you're right that is it that's great. You know, it's all about those magic moments in the studio. That um, I mean, they still happen even in here. You know, I, I realize that uh, it's not the like we were saying at the beginning of the conversation. It's not the equipment. You know, it's not it's not even the room. Uh, you can create great music if you've got great artists. You know, you you don't need all that stuff really. It, of course, it's nice to be at Abbey Road, right. but you don't have to be that. You need what great songs. Need, sorry. You need great songs. Yeah, but you need a great song, great singer. And I've worked in, with artists in here where that's happened. I've had the headphones on, mm. the singer's literally been over there, and I've gone, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's something. So. When, you know, when, when the hair on your arm stands up, you know something is right. Well, I've got <laughs> hair everywhere, you see, apart from, on, <laughs> apart from on my head, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not, sort of I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> But um, it is, you do get that, you get to, I get like a buzz, almost like an electronic thing in my head. Everyone, I think, gets it differently, but sure. I've, got, I've got to say that hasn't really happened, that doesn't happen very often these days. No. When, so, um, but we have to keep um, looking for these great artists and great bands, and hopefully they're out there now listening to this um, broadcast, waiting to send it to me. Well, so, so yeah. on that note, how can a band contact you emails through That's my website uh, eps it's www dot we well, don't need that anymore eps music <laughs> productions eps yep. -S, music productions plural dot com awesome and, uh, and if they go on it as well there's um there's like a there's a there's a part there where there's got a lot of uh, things from the past when i worked with george harrison and led zeppelin and wow. uh, you know, Jimmy, there's some good uh, videos there from the past that they can look at and all sorts of stuff. Fantastic. Stuart, Stuart, as a one-off, as a fan, did you ever do any work with Jeff Lynne or ELO? No, I hate that guy. He's just, he, I hate him because he's, <laughs> I always, I don't get jealous of many people, but I always, whenever I see him, I just think, you, you bastard. But anyway, no, 
<laughs> I mean, you know, he's just had such an incredible career. I mean, sure. he's a talented guy, but yeah. he's sitting there. He's sitting there in that room, playing and singing with the traveling movies. But I never met him even. No, yeah. I never. I think I went to see his band. I went to see um, ELO once, uh, and 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 actually that was a weird concert because there was this huge sound coming out of the monitors but there only seemed to be about three people on stage and i don't know what was going on there. <laughs> all, right. all right well i, I would yeah. argue that you've made some pretty great music yourself so well, i hope so but he is magnificent the work yeah. that he did on um yeah with the beatles and well all sorts really sure, sure. yeah Stuart, thank you so much this was fascinating yeah, thanks for taking the time and Let's uh do it again Please, I would if, love if that. you've got material, seek out Stuart and send him your material. He's looking for Great. bands. Yeah, absolutely. Great songs. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Stuart. Yeah, listen, it was 100% honest. I could have talked for hours. I mean, absolutely. somebody with his his experience and, and resume, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, tell me a story about Elton John. What can we learn from Led Zeppelin? How did Twisted Sister differ differ from working with uh, Bad Rogers, Company? Jimmy yeah. Page. I mean, it goes on. You look, check out his website. Yeah, the the quality of the music that he's made and the the caliber of the talent that he's worked with, and the fact that you can reach out to him today and possibly work with him or get his opinion on things. Man, that's that's money in the bank. That's it, awesome. It, it is. I mean, we we've said it many times. I've said it on on this podcast and on three sides of the coin. You know, don't produce yourself. I mean, if if at all possible, you need to get yourself a producer. You need that. If you're serious. A, if you're serious about this, and maybe your first demo, you can't afford it, and that's understandable. But at some point, when you can do it. Um, you need those. Pro. You need the other ears to sit back and go. It just needs a little more because I think we can all. Everybody listening has got an album where you listen to it and go, "It's good, but it isn't quite great." If yeah, only, it's not pro. if only something else was added to the the mix of the music. Right. Yeah, the palette, that's what a producer does. That's what a yeah. producer does. You know, and that that's. That's what fascinates me because I don't have that mind where I can, I can paint music, basically. Right. And, and that, that's what that, they do. That, that's what they do. They paint. They sit here and go, you know what? We need to do this behind the song right. as it's happening. And I'm like, how could you even think of that? Right. And some of the producers I talk to talk about how it's things they don't do. Right. You know, like, no, let it breathe. Yes. Don't start the solo there. Yep. Yep. Give it a moment. Those kinds of things, that kind of experience is not something that that you will know. You you get that from experience. So yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I would add, if you do end up going into the studio with a producer and or engineer, pay attention to them. Learn from them. Study from them. So maybe at some point, 30 years from now, you can become the producer. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right, everybody. Great as, as, as always, lots of love to our supporters hypebot.com, bandsintown.com, bandzoogle.com, and this week, just joining us, Disc Makers. So head over, show them all some love, let them know you heard about them on Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Please. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>